Welcome to You Want to Be on Top, a podcast dedicated to all things America's next top model, where your hosts, Charlie Jensen and I, Giovanni and Naya, we live all our favorite and cringy moments from the iconic show spanning 24 cycles. We are going straight to the catwalk and walking like it's for sale and the rent is due tonight. Join us as we cry, smize, and close the gap to claim the title of America's Next Top Model. We will see friendships formed and tested because why? This isn't America's Next Top Best Friend. Did you forget those model tear droplets during the tie-overs because the girl with the good bone structure got a pixie cut and looked like a boy? Well, we're here to remind you. Don't forget your passport because this journey is international and some journeys are round trips for a few of these girls. Like when you're in Paris and if you fall for something, you'll fall for anything. In Milano, that's Milan in Italian, where my signature walk that's gonna make me famous isn't booking me the gig. Or in Barcelona, where I got called a bitch the whole way through it, and it sucks. Are you ready for your go-see? Well, don't forget your portfolio, your flesh-tone undies, and skip the beat mug, because trust us, it will get ruined during your ride in the tuk-tuk. Just don't be late. So we leave you with this. Do you want to be on top? <laughs> yes. <laughs> for this first like preview episode, we thought it'd be really fun if, if we interviewed each other about how we got into America's Next Top Model and why it has been an enduring part of our of our lives. Um, so, Giovanni, I want to start with you because I know that you are an encyclopedia of knowledge about this show. When did you start watching America's Next Top Model? So I started watching America's Next Top Model literally when it first premiered uh, on the UPN <laughs> um, way back when in 2003. Um, I wasn't really that into it. Like I, it was there, it was just one day a week and I was like, this is kind of cool, this is interesting, like who's Tyra Banks? And I really didn't know who she was, except for that she was just like a Victoria's Secret model. And then it wasn't until cycle two with Ioana where I was like, oh, this is actually kind of cool. Let me get into this. Um, and then during that off season transitional cycle where they were just like, had just ended, I moved to Georgia and I like moved at a really awkward stage of my life. I was like 13 years old when I moved here, didn't have any friends. It was middle school, it was really hard. And this was the only thing that was kind of constant where I was like, okay, if I don't have anything to do on a Wednesday night, at least there's, at least there's America's Next Top Model for me. Um, and after that, I was like hooked. I had it on DVR. I made sure that I typically always watched it live. If not, I would watch it like an hour later or something. Um, and this show truly changed my life. I honestly <laughs> don't know where I would be without the show. It, it really saved me. I was in a really dark period of my life when the show was airing. I was a closeted gay in a very conservative city and town. And this was my escape from that reality. Mm -hmm. And... I didn't tune in for the antics and the gimmicks because it was, it's obviously a reality show. But for me, it, I tuned in for the art, the creative that they were doing that week, just learning more about the fashion industry and what it's really like. Um, and the, it 
really just like opened my eyes and made me want to become a photographer. And that's why I really got into photography. Um, there is a noted fashion photographer by the name of Mike Rosenthal, who really inspired me. And, and who's, really on, got, who's on the show like a million times. Who's on the show a million times. And I loved seeing him every time he was on. My, one of my favorite shoots that he did was cycle eight, I want to say. And it was like, they were murder victims. And like, they all like died in like crazy ways. And I was like, oh my God, this is like art. And, and when I talk about the show to people and when they ask me why it's so important to me or like why I love it for all its chaotic energy that it is now looking back at it, I think about the scene in, in the Devil Wears Prada where Nigel, Stanley Tucci's character, is talking to Andy, um, Anne Hathaway's character, and he talks about how One Way just isn't a magazine, but it's like a beacon of hope for, you know, this boy who skips soccer practice to go take sewing classes and like, it's, so it's basically his life and what this show gave to me, I probably could never learn anywhere else. Granted, I'm not a model, but the work that goes behind in creating basically high art and uh, imagery that is just so stunning and having the judges and the caliber of talent of photographers that they had on the show, I was like, wow, I want to be them one day. Um, I remember growing up, I used to intern for a photography studio and um, someone's like, oh, who's this kid? And then the studio manager was like, this is the next Dimashlier. And I was like, what? And that stuck with me for like ever. And this is why I truly love this show. Like, so much and Tyra Banks truly truly changed my life forever were you able to watch all the cycles when they were originally aired so I watched 99% of the cycles when they were airing the only ones that I missed were when the show went a little downhill and it was I believe the first cycle where she did co-ed and it was boys and girls and she replaced literally the entire panel um and i missed i missed that first one i caught the second half of that second cycle of boys and girls and then i unfortunately did not watch niall demarco season um and then she went on hiatus for a little bit and she got rebranded and went to VH1. And I unfortunately did not watch that cycle because um, someone by the name of Rita Ora, who I do not know, was hosting it apparently. Uh, and then she was fired and Tyra came back as the head honcho. And then that's when I tuned in. So I was like, okay, this could be good. And then it was a hot mess. What are some things that stand out to you about the series in your memory? Some of the standouts were the, the, the pool of talent that they sometimes would cast. I know that Tyra is a very, um, is very kind of like equal opportunist. So she wants to open the door for a lot of people. Um, 
with that being said, I don't think everyone who was on the show should have been on the show. Um, like, and I hate to say this, I hope I don't get, make people mad, but like Wendy from Cycle 6, who lost her family, like in Hurricane Katrina, probably wasn't the best time for her to be on a show. Like, I think it was kind of more of like a pity, like she has a story and we're going to kind of like milk that story. Um, that was a really bad casting decision. But for the most part, a lot of it was the creatives that stood out to me. Like some of them were just like the most stunning thing I had ever seen in my entire life. Some of them were, turned out to be extremely questionable. You know, there was a lot of blackface and a lot of um, ethnic switching on the show, which when I was 13 or 12, I didn't know what that was. I was like, oh, cool. Like this must be like an, a regular thing to do in the fashion industry. But then it, I, it got really bad during, I believe, cycle 13, which was the petite cycle. And they went to Hawaii and she literally transformed some of these girls into the craziest ethnic breeds I had ever seen in my entire life. She like made one girl um, Botswanan and like something else and literally was turned like 15 shades darker than her natural skin tone. That was very problematic. Um, the issue of weight and age definitely played a huge factor in the show. That was a big standout. Um, I think if you want to look for the next model, the next model is not going to be 26 years old. It's going to be someone who's young. So I kind of felt bad that she would cast these girls who were like 25 and it's like, okay, you look your age. So it's going to be really hard for you to book jobs or have a longevity in the industry. Um, it's a shame that I feel like sometimes the plus size girl was just like the token plus size girl, because I think throughout the entire 24 cycles, we maybe had like six girls who were really plus size. Um, and I feel like they were just there for like filler because she's like, okay, at least I have one girl who's kind of curvy and like mm -hmm. can relate with the rest of the middle of America. Um, but they didn't get really far. I think aside from Whitney who won cycle 10, Kasha from cycle 16 got farthest because she actually made it to the international destination that was Marrakesh and then she got sent home when they when she had a bad week and it's kind of noticeable that when the plus size girl has a bad week she goes home um and I don't think that's fair I think if you're gonna make this competition all exclusive you gotta have an even number of plus size girls and an even number of skinny tall girls so mm -hmm. for every two skinny girls at least have one curvy girl i mean it's also interesting that there was never a plus size season no and i i'm pretty sure people begged her to do one i'm sure the network was like it would make great tv but the sponsors that they had i'm pretty sure were like not down to have a plus size model i mean like i out of all the magazine um prizes they had it was Obviously, Marie Claire, then it was Jane, then it was Elle. 17 for a really long time, which I believe was probably their most successful partnership that they had. Then they went to the holy grail of Vogue Italia for a while, and then downsized to Nylon. Mm. 
Um, and then, so I just think that the market that they wanted these girls to be in was just not accepting of plus size girls. Because when you looked at the real world, the only plus size model I knew about was probably Crystal Wren, but even she had her own issues and would like be plus size one season and the next season she was like 110 pounds. Uh, so there was just, there, she wasn't creating a space for plus size models. It, they were literally just there to take up space in the competition, I feel mm-hmm. like, which is a shame because there's a lot of girls with amazing bodies who are full figured slash plus size who are amazing. Well, now I'm going to ask you, what did this show do for your life? This show was something that I always looked forward to. Um, I was I was significantly older when it premiered. I was um, 20, 26 years old. <laughs> and I was, I was actually in grad school at the time, uh, getting my master's degree in creative writing. And um, it was... It was just an outlet during the, something that I could look forward to that was a, you know, a break from the schoolwork I was doing and the other work I was doing. I, for, for much of grad school, I had either a full-time job or multiple part-time jobs. So uh, things were really complicated. Uh, despite that, I was like, never really had a lot of money. Um, and it, it just became kind of a ritual for me. So it, I, always, I always watched um, bless the DVR when that was invented because that made keeping track uh, a lot easier. I remember uh, being so like just being so excited about watching it that w- at one point when I had gotten rid of cable to save money and only had a Hulu account and not not technology in my house to manage this, I would I I would plug my laptop into my television so that I could broadcast Hulu on it and then watch top model on the tv um two days after it aired so i would also have to insulate myself from the spoilers that were at the time it would have been facebook that was the really the only social network i guess twitter was probably around but i wasn't a twitter user then yeah so uh, it's just something i really enjoyed and i was always curious about the modeling industry when i was a teenager that was the era of the supermodel um Christy, Linda, Anna Nicole, um, and they and they were. I mean, Anna, Anna Nicole was the real deal. I, you laugh now, and it is sad what happened. Her, but there, she was. She was in every boy's locker at school. Those guess ads were hugely popular. So you know that the the model culture was was part of my my youth, I guess. And so when this when the show came out and offered a glimpse into how that worked. And, and Tyra was someone that I knew because she had been on The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air as uh, Will's girlfriend <laughs> for a couple episodes. Uh, and of course I knew her for modeling. So uh, she, w- she was like a known figure. I thought I just thought it was a cool idea and I wanted to dive in and see what it was about. Were there any standouts to you that really like piqued your interest to keep watching? I, I, I really enjoyed the photo shoots as well. Um, it was always interesting to see what the concept would be and how they would execute it and then how well the, the contestants would adapt to what they were being asked to do. I know a lot of drama comes out of those things and it, sometimes it feels a little manufactured, but um, 
I wasn't ever really super into the reality show aspect of it, of forcing them all to live in the house and then have conflict erupt between them when they're not shooting. I know that some of those storylines become really important to the competition, but in general, like um, I loved just being like to watch them develop, to watch them learn, to understand um, what things go into being a successful model. And then to see them all like move through the competition to get to that last, uh, that last fashion show. Oh, standout things. That's what you asked me. Yes. <laughs> um, do you have a favorite model contestant? You know, so let me be honest with something. Uh, I, I was recently rewatching the early seasons and I've probably seen the early seasons more than once already, but I haven't seen all the way to the end of the show. So there will come a point when I'm seeing things with you for the first time. But I have I love seen that for you. <laughs> <laughs> I have seen the Rita Ora season, so I have that up on you. The Rita Ora season. I don't know her. I know. <laughs> <gasps> She's like a really big pop star, okay? Oh, um, okay. And then I I was, you know, I I I that season came at a time when I was like, gosh, I really wish Top Model was still on. And then that came on and I was like, awesome, love this. And I did like it. It's definitely better with Tyra. Um, I think Rita was trying to, that season was taking it in a more contemporary direction that was different from when the show started. But um, so my favorites, you know, I love Danny. I still think about her. Um, she's the Cycle Six winner, right? Yes, Miss Danny <laughs> Evans. Yes. <laughs> Um, and I also love Joni. So that season's really fun because a lot of people are like her in that season. Um, Brie from Cycle 5 is mm. an icon. Um, I need to know what happened to those granola bars. <laughs> <laughs> Who ate her goddamn granola bars? I bet it was Kim. <sighs> uh, yeah, okay. I mean, the, Cycle 5 is great. There are a lot of icons. Like Nick on Cycle 5, I, I, I think she should have been the winner, but we'll get to that. Yeah. Um, she's so stunning and down to earth and just like no drama. Um, and then uh, Annalie, cycle eight, mm, seven. No, cycle Annalie Tipton? Yeah. That was like cycle 12. Wow. Okay. So that, <laughs> that's why you're here. Or cycle 11, I think. She was cycle, she was after, that was in the key season. You are the uh, you are the Rolodex of contestants. So um, thank you for being here and, and helping <laughs> helping me be right. Um, I like Annalie a lot, and she's someone that I've seen in LA a whole bunch of times. Like our paths have crossed repeatedly, which is wild. Um, so I'm excited to talk about that when we get to her season. Um, I'm sure I'm forgetting a ton of people. I generally like most of the contestants. I tend not to like the people who were mean. Um, I think Brie is an exception because she, I think she cracks under pressure. Um, yes. I just don't know that that, she knows that wasn't her best moment. So I, I feel like that redeems her for me in a lot of ways. But um, like uh, the Camille, I'm not a fan of. The Robin, not a fan. Uh, what about our favorite undiscovered supermodel, Miss Jade? <laughs> complicated feelings about Jade. <laughs> Very when I complicated. Think about, 
villains. Sorry to cut you off. Honestly, I think Jade is truly the only villain to have to have ever come out of the show. I Camille, I don't. I think Camille was just edited wrong, and it was because she was strong and she was like an island girl, and island girls are very independent. But Jade was the real villain of this entire series. Uh, I think that Jail, Jade, I call them Jail. Jade and Camille have a lot in common, actually. There is a level of narcissism at work in their personality that's expressed on the show that I think sometimes comes from lacking confidence and sometimes it does come from actual narcissism. It's hard to tell because uh, I'm not a licensed psychologist, but uh, just a person who's been in a lot of therapy. Jade is not a person who can really work with people. So it's hard to watch her try to navigate the season where she's constantly asserting herself, inserting herself, and, and really unable to acknowledge that, that there's a journey required of her. And I feel like that's Camille too. Like Camille came into the competition believing that she had everything she needed to win it and wasn't letting feedback in. That would that would help her grow. A lot of girls don't listen mm-hmm. on this show, and we come to find out <laughs> that it's so problematic not to listen. You and this conversation reminded me of someone else I love, who's Yaya from oh, Cycle Three. Oh, Yaya. Who who I think her edit sometimes makes her seem like she is not listening, or that she's not open to change. But I I don't think that's fair to her. I think that she. Um, think that she's really beautiful i think that she's very talented she's super smart she's really unique in the pantheon of contestants and the success that she's gone on to have i i think is really emblematic of of how much she had to offer in the season i agree with you i think they really tested her they kind of singled her out because she was a highly educated black woman who had something to say but they didn't want to hear it Mm -hmm. yep and I stand Yaya. I think Yaya is a huge standout from that show in the competition. And I think watching her in 2020, seeing her express an Afrocentric point of view and a lot of pride in being Black, it feels like so, so much more meaningful as a white person to watch that now and understand how difficult it would have been to do that then. I agree. Giovanni, what do you think the legacy of America's Next Top Model is on on our culture? I know we're going to talk about this week to week, but like as a big takeaway, what would you say is the lasting impact? The lasting impact, I think, sadly, is that out of the 24 cycles, the show produced maybe a small handful of working girls who still get booked. Some guys, i.e. Niall, (laughs) um, and that's, I, and it's oddly enough that sometimes it's, it's the girls who didn't win, who either came runner-up or came like fifth runner-up, who have amazing careers. And I think about the fact that there could have been so much more potential for these girls to have gone on had they had won their perspective cycle. Um, I think in 2020, the legacy is sadly also that the show is very, very chaotic and questionable. I love Tyra with all my heart. She is like, there's that meme or video of Oprah 
when she talks about Gail being the sister she never had and the, the, a friend that everyone should want. And to me, Tyra is that person, but she also is very sus and questionable in her, her antics. I think she, when we get to the episode of tie overs and they're like, we're not doing this for shock value. Uh, yes, you are. Why are you taking someone who has 18 inches of long hair and giving them a pixie cut because they think that you, they have great bone structure. I get that they're supposed to be, they're supposed to be fresh canvases and palettes, but like to go to that extreme, to buzz someone's hair and it not be done right, to give someone a weave that looks like a shaggy dog on their head. Where is this, I'm gonna, I'm doing this to elevate you. Mm-hmm. And we see in some cycles where a gap tooth is not marketable, not gonna make you money. But then later seasons, we're gonna make you like Laura Hutton and give you a gap to make you edgy. But I think ultimate perspective, we're watching a show that was filmed maybe eight months prior to its air date or even longer. So some of the trends that they were doing were probably trendy in the moment, but coming out, it was like, okay, why do I want a girl with a gap tooth when there's 50 other girls with gap tooth who are already established. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think it's legacy has definitely been tarnished recently, but it will forever live in my heart as a show that really changed my life and truly saved me. And I don't know where, what I would be doing without top model. Oh my God. I love that. <laughs> uh, are you tearing up? Almost, almost. <laughs> well, I'll tear up, I think, when we get to certain cycles. Yeah. And I think about the girls. Mm-hmm. Um, because my favorite model to ever come out of this sh- series is Jenna from Cycle 9, who was robbed of the title. She is still working, um, still booking those gigs. I don't know where Celicia is or Chantal is. Mm-hmm. Nowhere to be seen in any of the magazines. Um, Jenna really, even to this day, has, I think, the strongest portfolio of any woman or any man on this show. It, it rivaled the books of working models when the show was airing. She could go toe-to-toe with, I think, Carly, Coco, Giselle. And given, given Giselle is more like a little bombshell model and like Victoria's Secret, I think Jenna could definitely pull that, but Jenna is so editorial, so high fashion. I think she's scared. <laughs> I think she's scared Tyra. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and that's why they didn't let her win. But Jenna is, I, I would die for Jenna. Well, one thing we'll talk about is why sometimes questionable decisions get made in the judging room. And we know that it's not just the material that's in the photograph. It's also the desires of the sponsor what the producers think makes good TV. So there's, there's layers on here that don't even relate to modeling that yeah. I think skew, skew the outcomes. It is truly more than skin deep. Yeah. <laughs> I, I would also acknowledge that the show continues to be part of like larger cultural dialogues. Uh, there's a lexicon from the show that is still recognizable to this day. There are memes, memes aplenty that came out of um, go all the way. We, we'll talk about reaching all the way back to cycle one. Some of the some of the memes that we still see uh, on the, on the internet's 
Um, and I think, you know, for better or for worse, I think Tyra really did, she did drop some knowledge about what you need to do to be a model. Some of it is comical. And I think that's not an accident. I think she was, was making this information as accessible as possible to people. And I like to think that she sincerely wanted people to succeed through the show. I don't think. There was definitely no malice in her intentions of putting the show together. It just happened to play out that I'm on the show to be a joke and yeah. <laughs> who's going to, who's going to book me because they saw me cry over getting my hair buzzed off. Yeah. I, I mean, it's very clear that Tyra did not provide additional support after the show for most of these models, which I guess that's a, that's a tall order anyway. Um, notably RuPaul is the same way. <laughs> <laughs> I don't work with these girls. <laughs> she has that famous, Tyra has that famous line in cycle 10 when they have that airplane photo shoot and Fatima doesn't partake because she didn't have her passport with her or something like that. And they find out they're going to Rome and Tyra's like, me and my crew fly first class, but you guys fly coach. And I feel like that's how she is after the show ends. She's like, I'm Tyra. I helped you. Now you're on your own. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, and the show really is a, a step up for a lot of people to get broad exposure. So it is, it is help. And it's up to each and every winner and contestant to leverage that experience. And and we've already seen that people in cycle one went on to use that moment to do things in the industry for 20 years afterwards. So it's not for nothing. It's, yeah, she definitely has a, a cult following. I think the girl who is most gracious and thankful to Tyra for changing her life is probably Eva from cycle three who will literally probably die for Tyra because Tyra really did change her life. And she, I think she's forever grateful that a girl from, I wouldn't even say the hood, but like South LA who's in the model industry considered a midget mm -hmm. to become a working model and booking campaigns and booking TV shows and you know, still walking the catwalk 16 years later she, her life changed forever and she is forever grateful to that show. Others, probably not so much. I'm sure there, there's regret. <laughs> <laughs> rage and regret, rage and regret. Yeah, it's, I mean, I, the, 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 the curveball in all of this is that it's a reality television show. And so the things that we are presented with are of course not the whole story. They are the most provocative moments in a lot of cases. They're the, the moments where people may have forgotten that they were being filmed. And the people who were most aware of being on camera are the ones who we see the least. You know, they, they don't provide the snappy dialogue or the moments of tension that go into structuring an episode. Because at the end of the day, the episode needs to have a three-act structure and it needs to have a climax. And the photo shoot is not always enough. Like no. there needs to be more at stake. And so uh, the contestants are providing all of that material. I think if I were on the show, I would probably do pretty well knowing what I know. 
and being knowledgeable about the industry and knowing designers. But some of these challenges, I don't know if I could do like when they're in Hong Kong and cycle nine and they're like on shoelace thin wires hanging, mm-hmm. trying to pose in karate. Absolutely not tired. I'm scared of heights. I don't want to be on top today. Send me home, yeah. honestly. Uh-huh. Um, but I mean, it's what it takes to be the winner. I just, I don't know if I could always be that, um, that girl that they would want to just be down for anything because Tyra also doesn't do everything. And we later find out that (laughs) she doesn't do everything, um, which is also chaotic. Yeah, very, very much so. Um, I think that I would be eliminated early (laughs) 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 because uh, so as a writer, I've had my photo taken many times for, for promo and for book jackets and stuff. And, I am just super awkward in front, like being photographed by people. I I don't know what happens. I, I I really don't think that I could survive more than one or two photo shoots on the show before people would be like, what I see in front of me is not translating into the photos. Like, Can I would you be, not smize after all these years? I, well, I can smize, but as you can see on the video as we're talking, that every time I smile, my, my eyes close. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I mean that that is a problem. Sensitive retinas. <laughs> I, I, I serve cheeks, uh, big chipmunk cheeks are here in, in play, um, so I can't smile for photos. I have to, I have to employ my resting bitch face and then pull the eyes back to smile. That's that's all I got. Okay, that's that's the look that we can all get by. That's sometimes what sells. But um, also. I, I, I can only do selfies. I can't have someone take that picture of me. Because <laughs> oh, as soon as I'm aware that I'm being photographed, it's like I turn into... You tense up. It's registered yeah. on your face that someone takes my photo and I don't exactly. know what I'm doing. <laughs> um, I learned how to smize, I think, in cycle... Oh, my. Cycle... I was in cycle. It was maybe cycle 12. When they're in Brazil... And they're in the forest doing the little bird photo shoot. And Tyra's like, it's all in your ears. All you got to do is just mm-hmm. wiggle your ears and your ear muscles and you'll smize. And she was talking to Amina, who shouldn't have made it as far as she did. But that is when we get to that cycle. And I was like, whoa, I can totally smize now. And mm-hmm. like, I will catch myself taking selfies. And I'm like, okay, there's dead eyes right there. Let me, let me wiggle my ears. Pull those ears back. <laughs> <laughs> Where's my campaign, Revlon? <laughs> uh, well, this has been really fun. I'm I'm excited to dive into the show and you know unpack each of these episodes as we go. Um, I know there's a lot there's a lot of road ahead of us. It's gonna there take is. some time. Um, we're gonna have to pack our bags. We're gonna have to pack our bags and go. We'll see you guys later. Take it easy. Bye.